and welcome back to Box Podcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Hannah and Monica. How's it going, guys? I'm good, Mav. Yeah, you know, I, I actually have a feeling I can share, and that oh. feeling is a vindication. Why? Um, Why are you vindicated? It's a cute Christmas story that doesn't quite have an ending yet, but it's going to be great. So Josh has been like, I don't want anything for Christmas. And it's been, you know, not like the most cheery of years for anyone. I was like, no, I need to get something good. I need to get something really good. And he like bought us two really nice food storage containers and the other storage containers because, yeah, like Tupperware. And the other food storage containers we have are like the plastic ones that are reusable from like takeout places because Mm -hmm. we are millennials who didn't get married at the age of 21 (laughs) and therefore didn't get nice Tupperware from our registry. So he really (laughs) likes these Tupperware things and has talked about buying some more, but never bought them. So I thought, well, okay, it's kind of like a very boring Christmas gift, but I'm going to buy him Tupperware, like nice Tupperware. And I even told him, like, I, this is going to be a horrible gift. I am so sorry. And, like, people have made fun of me when I've told them that this is what I'm getting, Josh. And they said, this is terrible. Please buy him anything else. Please buy him something oh, fun. And I'm like. Is that what he wants? Is that what he wants? Well, Does he want them? I don't. I mean. Well, I didn't know. I made a guess. Yeah. But here, but what happened yesterday was I was unstacking the dishwasher and one of our nice, like, Tupperwares was broken. And Josh was super upset. And he was like, I wish I'd asked for this for Christmas. and so. It's the perfect gift. I've done it. Mm-hmm. I'm vindicated. I can't wait to see his face on Christmas Day. Like, it's going to be good. Because, like, the gift is not like the gift that matters. It's the thought and love behind it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's Tupperware. No, it's perfect. I mean, the people who are complaining that it's not the right gift, this is a question of it's not a present for them. It's a present for Josh. Will Josh enjoy this? And it sounds like he will. That's what you look for in Christmas. It's from personal experience. The most happy my mom has ever been is the birthday that I took her to the container store. So you have a container store. Container stores are great. (laughs) Yeah. So just it's it sounds like all of these people. It's not the right gift for them. Right. But it's it's a gift for people who like the container store. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a container store. Some of us are organizers. (laughs) I'm not. But I but the container store is actually oddly nice. (laughs) I don't know. So, so, so yeah, I also realized now that this episode is going to air December 19th, which is before Christmas. So thoughts and prayers. He doesn't listen. Josh, if you listen, look surprised and then write us a five star review. And <laughs> <laughs> You know, he, he has not written us a five star review because, quote, it would be a conflict of interest. Mav, you could play the spoiler <laughs> alert sound. <laughs> But play the yeah, spoiler alert sound just for Josh. <laughs> yeah. I need to go back Everyone and insert else. that. Okay, so but, if, but if only the spoiler for Josh. alert sound played earlier, that was for Josh and Josh only. Everybody else could ignore it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now people were like, okay, but it already happened. This is weird. This is so bizarre. Get us out of this. What are we doing today? <laughs> I'm doing Christmas uh, stuff, Mav. I'm at home with my mom. It's the holidays. I'm recording this on my twin bed, wearing my brother's pajamas. I am in the 
spirit. Is this like a normal, like I, I'm, I was with you until the, your brother's pajamas. Is that just like a, is that a holiday thing? Why? <laughs> okay. Okay. You know how after you've moved out of your house, like you only have one set of clothes left just in case. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like one, one old t-shirt from high school, like at best that's still sitting oh. in your drawers, but everything else you've taken with you. So mm-hmm. week prior, I was traveling in Europe and I didn't have a washing machine. So it's almost like it's college all over again because I showed up to my mom's house with a suitcase full of dirty laundry. Mm. Only this time I did it myself instead of having her do it. Because <laughs> that's what adulthood is. Wait, wait, the wait, only wait, pair of wait, pants wait, 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 left were my brother's pajamas. Just past that. Your mom actually did your laundry when you went home. for that. That's like a thing that happens outside of sitcoms. Yes. I mean, wow. I mean, I, it, it was like divided up as, as like I would fold it, but it gets thrown in with everyone else's laundry when you go home on the weekend. You know, like it's not a special load of laundry that's just your laundry. Wait a minute. It, it gets so you're thrown saying in your with, mom did your laundry like when you were like a child? No. So, like when I would come home from college because I went to University of Michigan and I lived, I don't know, 20 minutes away from my mom's house and I didn't want to use quarters on my laundry so I would wait until the weekend and Uh then I would come home and visit my mom and I would throw all of my laundry in with you know her towels and socks and t-shirts from the week and I would do one big load of laundry and then we would fold it and separate it out and I would go on my way but for my brother who went to college out of state he would legitimately wait until he would plan out all his t-shirts knowing what day my mom was picking him up and knowing that was the last t-shirt that he had so that he could then get all his laundry done at the end of the semester. This is astounding to me. Well, I, that is so, intense. Yeah. See, okay. So the reason I'm well, astounded I mean, is- I plan out your laundry for a semester. I don't think my mom's done my laundry for me since I was like eight. I've, I've always had to do my own. I mean, since I was- you know, like seriously, since like third grade. What about grade. saving water? Like you don't just yeah, throw yeah, like, it all in together? Yeah, like I, I helped do, yeah, like I helped my parents. I had chores and helped do the right. laundry, but I wouldn't wash my clothes separately. I would wash them with like my sisters and my parents too. And we would, mm. you know, separate them out by like whites or colors or towels to save we, water. There, there might be, well, okay. So if there was like one thing that you had, so if somebody's doing a load of whites and like, you're like, oh, I have this one shirt. Can I sneak that in? That would happen. But yeah, just pretty much we've always had, you know, since we were kids, we were responsible for doing our own laundry. That was just a thing. So you like sort of saved it till you had enough to do a full load of, you know, colors or whites or darks or whatever. And then you did it. Um, There'd be exceptions, I guess, like probably mix things together. Like you probably don't do that many loads of reds. So, you know, that might have, you know, something of mine and something of my brother's and something of my mom's. But for the most part, yeah, we... You know, we mostly did our own laundry since I was a kid. I never did a thing where you went back home to do laundry. Even for one thing, my home left. Like when I went to college, my mom moved during my sophomore year. So there was no going home for me. Like my grandparents lived there, but like my house was gone. So there's, you know, definitely no clothes still left over or anything like that. Like Monica's talking about. I just find this all fascinating. And this is not at all the episode today. Listening to it. Our study of I mean, human beings. kind Kind of like this is it's the traditions, right? You go home for the Christmas and you put on clothes that don't go together and then you watch Christmas movies. 
I mean, I this reminds me of a Christmas story and like these kinds of little like stories about what like everyday life was like in your childhood mm-hmm. or collegehood around the holidays and you like think about it and it like might not be exactly what everyone else is, but there's like this like ring of nostalgia to it. <laughs> well, so so we started doing these things like four years ago where we would do an annual Christmas episode where we would celebrate you know, whatever, well, just cheesy Christmas movies at first and then whatever new Christmas movies came out that year. And then the problem with it was, was Wayne and Katya are, are branches and they wouldn't show up for our episode. So it was just me and Hannah and whoever we could grab. And then Monica joined the show and Monica's not a Grinch. So, so, so that's this episode. <laughs> this is our annual Christmas special where we're going to talk about, re, you know, the concept of Christmas movies and then review our, the Christmas specials and movies that came out this year that we enjoyed. Is that, that accurate to what we're doing today? Yeah. Yeah. But, but first I want us to mm-hmm. all take a moment to celebrate and honor the greatest Christmas film that's ever been made. Perhaps indeed the greatest Second film greatest. that's ever been made. Second. Um, Ali Parton's Christmas on the square mm-hmm. is Square's the greatest. <laughs> uh, take your jokes out of here. This is very serious. A Muppet I'm, Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> a Muppet Christmas Carol has turned 30, 30 wonderful years, which I have been around for. I can't say I watched it every year because I did not always control the TV <laughs> because I was a child. But true, truly a great film. And also one, one of yes. incredibly well done period costuming, which is just correct. Not a thing that you would expect me to say about A Muppet Christmas Carol, but... I absolutely was. Or is it, yeah, or is it exactly the kind of thing you would say? Because what is not the Muppets, but just intense, like, care? Especially for the clothes. Oh. What, it, what, it, what are the Muppets you know, if not caring personified? It's just so... Well, it's Hannah thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> uh, so, okay. It's anyway, Muppets, so- it's Charles Dickens. What more could you want? Yeah, and that's... I mean, what more is there to say but that, really? Dolly Parton. There was no Dolly in that. I mean, again, it's a good movie. We did a whole episode about it, but no no Christmas movie can ever compare to Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. It is a definitive Christmas film, and I stand by that. I adore that film. I love it so much. Its <laughs> politics are the weirdest thing I've ever seen, although I will say one Christmas but- movie this year has given it a rent for its money. I, I was going to say well, politics, but not quite the same as the questionable pol- politics that exist behind Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede, the live <laughs> oh, medieval yes. time style show in which the Civil War is recreated, but mm-hmm. you're eating turkey legs at dinner theater. But at yep. what point, but at any point during the, during that, that experience, does Dolly impregnate anybody? <laughs> <laughs> You need a Christmas movie where Dolly Parton decides to impregnate a woman on purpose. That is a thing that happens in Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. I love it. I love it so very much. <laughs> I, um, and I, I want to be clear, like I, there, yeah, you're totally right, Maka. There, there are worse things, but like the weirdness of what happens in Christmas on the Square, just. I wish that like you could see the face I'm making because I don't know how to communicate it in words. It's just 
Brilliant. 10 out of 10. No notes. I can't make I can't make sense of it. It is it is. A lot. (laughs) I've recommended it to more people this year in person as well. So but anyway, not a new film this year. So that's not one of the things we're discussing at length. I certainly recommend you go back to. Well, there there have been several episodes. We we discussed it like three weeks in a row one year. So, (laughs) but anyway, we saw a bunch of a bunch of new Christmas movies this year, and we didn't prepare an order. So I don't know how we're going to do this. I know what order we can start to go in. Okay, you go. There is only one order in which we talk about the comeback of Lindsay Lohan first, primarily, and for most of this episode. (laughs) <laughs> okay I mean, you want to do that i don't know about foremost of this episode but i'm happy to talk about Lindsay lohan's comeback and you know she's going to be in another netflix film next year as well yes. oh is she that's good i did not know that I, I mean i just the thing about christmas is it's always about forgiveness and second chances and starting over and reevaluating all of and your Alicia. life priorities and Amnesia. And what better way than to crown a new queen of Christmas that is not Mariah Carey or Vanessa Hudgens? <laughs> it happens to be Lindsay Lohan, guys. Lindsay Lohan. I, don't I don't know if you can be queen of Christmas after one movie, but I am very excited to talk about falling for Christmas. Okay, also, so, so all three sad. of us watch Also, it. very sad. Yeah, yeah. Also, very sad. No Vanessa Hudgens this year. Yes, Vanessa Hudgens this year. I am sad because like I saw that she wasn't dropping anything and I'm like, wait, but will we have an entry in the Netflix cinematic Christmas universe? And because if we don't, how will I go on? You know, what is life even? There is no no entry into the Netflix cinematic Christmas universe. However, Falling for Christmas is part of the NCCU, right? So I'm I'm in. I was in from there. And also, you know, all jokes aside. Lindsay Lohan's a really good actress, guys. Like, I really like her. I think she's very good in everything that she does. Her personal problems aside that wrecked her career. I think as far as actors for these films go, she was a hell of a get. It just kind of seemed clear, like, despite the fact that she has no on-screen chemistry whatsoever with uh, her co-host Cord Overstreet, she does genuinely seem to be having so much fun making this movie. And she seemed incredibly genuine like she's not just a good actress but she's a good actress who like really seems like they wanted to do this movie and I think that that's really important in a Christmas movie right like you have to get somebody on board that isn't a Grinch like you have Mm -hmm. to get somebody on board Mm -hmm. who is willing to be cheesy and willing to commit and it just felt like she really commit and really put in the same level of like care and development and preparation and acting as she has for any of her previous roles, which I felt like was the most refreshing and most surprising Mm -hmm. and most like encouraging thing of her having this comeback was that she sort of showed her like her joy of acting and humility to take on this project wholeheartedly. And it was just so wonderful this she doesn't look down on it i mean it's a corny movie and that's the point it, the plot the characterization everything about the film is a cheesy formulaic netflix christmas movie but she absolutely embraces it wholeheartedly and she is 
charming and she makes it delightful. There's no surprises. You can probably predict every scene two seconds before it happens without you you go, okay, I know what's going to happen here. Okay. There's a cute kid. I know what's going to happen here. Okay. This guy's going to do something like, you know, everything that's going to happen and it doesn't matter because she's just charming throughout it. I think when you hear Lindsay Lohan's doing a Christmas movie, you sort of want to make fun of it and go, oh, this is going to be such a train wreck. It's not. It's fine. I actually didn't feel that way. I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. And it was. Can I just say that Porter Overstreet looks very different without a beard? Like in his glee days, he looked like actually kind of Heisler. And maybe he was. I don't know his age. Probably not because of how the casting. And I was like, oh, you're an adult in this film. (laughs) Interesting. I did spend this movie being like, are you old enough to have birthed this child? Question mark. I still don't know. I think technically, yes. I won't explore it further, but I think technically. Miracle of Christmas. He's plenty old Immaculate Conception. Your child be as old as you would like him to be. He's plenty. He's he's older than either either of you are, actually. Great. Which I wouldn't, which I would not have guessed. He's 33 right now. So I guess I finally look like an adult. Yeah. Well, no, uh, but I mean, the girl, no, I mean, I, I actually would have thought he was younger than you, but he's. But do you think that one thing Netflix has gotten pretty good at? I mean, it's not true of every film, is they find people who are like game to do these films. Mm-hmm. And they're just like nice and they're fun. And there's like just enough drama for it to be fun, but it's not like overly mean or like too painful. And I, I really feel like this film in particular, like, like, leaned into like the physical comedy aspect of things i'm not sure if anyone has actually caused their washing machine to overflow in such a way as i've seen that happen this does um, film oh wow well, so as a callback to you know like i said i've done my laundry since i was very young sometimes you have a younger brother who doesn't know exactly how much soap to put in into the washing machine when he's say six or seven and learning to do laundry and so, yes, you can fill the entire basement utility room with suds from a from an overflowing washing machine. That is a thing that happens if you put, say, a whole bottle of detergent in. I, so, and laundry, I will say, it comes back. <laughs> yep. That was a callback to the. So if you wondered why, when listening, you're like, why did he leave that weird long diatribe in the beginning? It's for that moment. <laughs> That's why I left it in. <laughs> Pay off of the joke. That's right. <laughs> it wasn't a joke. I didn't know that was going to happen. But yes, that that does occur. Olivia Perez, who plays Court Overstreet's daughter in the film, is currently 12. He is currently 33. I'd say her character is supposed to be slightly younger, like maybe 10, 9 or 10. But she is 12 right now. So he is 21 years older than her and certainly old enough to have, you know, fathered her. <laughs> yeah, because people are if people are wondering, you know, we do our homework on on this show. <laughs> So this is one in which I did do a fair amount of Lindsay Lohan videos and interviews regarding this particular movie because I was really excited to see this comeback as the first film that she's done in a while. And to to Hannah's point, one of the things that I read was that Lindsay Lohan actually loves doing physical comedy. It's one of the things that she feels like she doesn't get to do enough. And so that was one of the things that she was most excited to lean into. And I actually felt it was some of the more endearing, like believable moments of this particular film were the ones where she was getting to clearly play around as an actress. And so that was really nice to see that there was that payoff. But also I think that there, at least via her PR and her Vogue interviews and things that she's 
really talked about how much moving to Dubai was incredibly helpful for her as someone who then was not exposed to paparazzi all the time, which seems to be a really common theme this year and last Mm -hmm. year between the Britney documentary and the Harry and Meghan documentary as to how Mm -hmm. harmful it can be just to have paparazzi invading your space all the time. And so I, for one, just could not be happier that spirit of Christmas allowed Lindsay Lohan's heart to grow <laughs> three sizes. <laughs> well, it didn't grow. I was going to joke and say if only Christmas would cause Wayne and Katya's hearts to grow. <laughs> oh, no, they've both been on the show recently. Basically, bah again this entire episode. But thank you to the listeners for being here to join us because I, I love these movies. And, and I want to say... With Falling for Christmas in particular, Monica, you talked about, you know, how happy she seems. And Hannah, you took, it's earnest. It's real. It's delightful. The stakes are not very high, but it, it feels like a real movie. And I want to really key into how important that is, because I, I think that matters. I think that it's really easy to say that these movies are all formulaic and all the same and anybody can write them. And as it just that's not true. I'll save why I think that <laughs> I think so for later. But I just I think as far as Christmas movies go, this was just friendly and fun and nice. And I enjoyed every second. of it. So did anyone else watch any of the other Netflix films that were new this year? I think I watched all of them. But which ones, so, which other ones did you watch? <laughs> so let's talk about Christmas with you, which I can only describe as. Christmas Marry Me, like the new Er Jennifer Lopez movie, but like mm-hmm. with a slightly more believable plot. Yeah. Did you see this one, Monica, or no? I did not see this one. And given this plot description and endorsement, probably won't go tune in to watch it at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but talk me into it, guys. Tell no, me I, why I, like, I should watch. I really like Marry Me. Okay. I Tell me to watch Mary Christmas Mary because it's delightful. As I, with most Netflix films, it's it was nice. It was cute. Okay. It yeah. warmed my heart. I actually think it had some really smart things to say. Yeah, I so the boring kind of bland overview is there is a singer who is who like was super famous, like she was a pop star, but like there there are some newer pop stars who are producing bigger numbers than her. And her record labels, if you don't put out a big single, preferably a Christmas single, and if it doesn't hit big numbers, we're just going to replace you with everything. We're just going to replace you on everything. And there are moments throughout the film where she's threatened by she's going to have a photo shoot and like some younger person is being like told to take her place by the record label. And she's like, I don't know how to get in touch with Christmas. And then she meets a young girl who posts on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. She's just basically depressed because she's trying to come up with the song and she just you know she's procrastinating so she just goes on tiktok and there's a girl who's gone mini viral because you, you know how sometimes people might you know grab their guitar and you know cover their favorite artist and just sing a few bars of a song and post it to tiktok well there's a girl who does this and says this was my mom's favorite song before she died it's from angelina's the, the singer's name it's from angelina's first album my mom loved this song and i used to listen to this with her and she died a few years ago and i miss my mom and you know i just 
you know, my, my Christmas wish would be if I could ever just, you know, meet Angelina and take a selfie with her. And Angelina decides I should go grant this girl's Christmas wish. Cause like, I need this. She literally yeah. says, I need this. And so she goes and she meets the girl who so happens to be Freddie Prince Jr.'s daughter. And he is like, He's not Freddie Prince Jr., a character played yeah. by Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. 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 <laughs> who I would um, not doubt the ability to father a 13 year old, but continue. Yes. Oh, I was, I hadn't seen him in anything in years. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you've aged. But not in a bad way, just, mm-hmm. oh, you. You were you're an adult who is older than me. Anyway, he's like a choir teacher and also had a band. She's Uh, she's very very important. Yeah, she's having a quinceanera. She's she's planning for a quinceanera right right before Christmas. So Mm -hmm. so Angelina gets trapped in this small town because of a snowstorm with her assistant, and they go and stay with the girl and her father and grandmother. Grandmother, and they she discovers that. He has been writing like music and she wants like the song for her Christmas song. And so they end up making a deal to work together to write a Christmas single because she feels like this will be it. And they get closer. And then she has to choose between pursuing fame relentlessly at all costs with no breaks or like pursuing a relationship, not just with the father, but with the daughter and like being kind of like a part of this new family. It's real good. And just not going crazy. Yeah. It just, yeah. I mean, it's, it is, I wonder, was it, it doesn't feel like a Netflix Christmas movie. It feels like it wants to be just a, and I wonder if they bought it later because it feels like it wants to be sort of like holiday was, right? Like it's, it, this is just a, hey, we're going to make this little rom-com and see what we can do with it. And these days, what you can do with it is that Netflix buys them sometimes. So that's what this felt like. I do recommend, I, I think that actually jo- Josh, who is not here, said that he preferred it to marry me. Not that we should pit them against each other. I actually enjoyed both films. I feel like we have that parallel episode, like parallel like media universe where, you know, mm-hmm. films touched on similar themes. And I feel like these are two parallel films that they do touch on like similar like cultures and themes and both have some original music. So not quite as much as Marry Me because, you know, J-Lo worked super hard to put out a whole original album for Marry Me. But I really liked it. I... I thought it was, I thought it was like really like nice and gave a lot more weight than I was expecting to like mm-hmm. the relationships, like all the relationships, not just like the romance, but like the relationships between Angelina and her assistant, Angelina and like the top star who's pitted as her rival. I think mm-hmm. that the way they resolve that relationship is extremely positive. And once again, like all Netflix films, like it might touch on like some sadder things or some drama. But they resolve it in a way that makes you feel good at Christmas time. So watch it. I mean, it's got a 67 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, you know, this is not a film that it's not, it's almost, it's not really cheesy in the same way. Like it's not trying to be the thing with the Lindsay Lohan one with Falling for You and all the Vanessa Hudgens movies is they know what they are and they're leaning into the corniness and the cheesiness and the, you know, kitschy right like they're they're intentionally trying to be sort of this goofy magical realism world they saw the hallmark audience and they're like we can do that and i feel like christmas with you doesn't want that christmas with you wants to be marry me right it wants to be just a delightful story of you know uh, 
is fame worth it or do you want to, you know, can you have it all? Can you balance being successful with being a person with a family and can you find true love and trying to like, you know, everybody gets the Christmas spirit, but it doesn't feel magical. It feels they feel like real people. Yeah, which actually, by the way, speaking of Marry Me, even though this is not it was like a Valentine's Day movie and not a Christmas movie, but I don't think we've talked about it. and I guess maybe I should save it for our things you missed episode. But I really liked Marry Me because even though I thought the plot was kind of like silly in that like. Owen Wilson's a rando that she marries to spite her person she was supposed to marry, but he cheated on her. They one actually kind of addressed the ridiculousness of that. And two, like I felt like the characters were a lot more grounded than what the trailers are like the plot maybe suggests. So mm-hmm. watch Marry Me. Yeah. Watch Christmas with you. It could make a very fun double feature. Marry me, I expect you probably will bring it up again when we do. Yeah, I mean, it was like a thing that people missed anyway. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, there was another Netflix Christmas movie, though. There was one more that and I don't know, did anybody else watch this or am I alone? Did anybody else pick up the Noel Diaries? I I watched the trailer. Same. I recognized the guy and I was like, oh, it's the guy from This Is Us. That show that made me cry every episode until I just stopped watching. Okay. Yes. So by by the guy you're talking about, Justin Hartley, who. Yeah, um, I guess I should specify season as there's like mini guys. That's Chriselle Strauss's ex-husband from Selling Sunset. Yes. Uh, Yes. Justin Hartley. I believe so. Justin's had quite the PR campaign to try and get people to like you again by starring in a Christmas movie. Wait, so why do you say that? I don't know anything about. And I thought you'd have nothing to say on this one. I yes. know, right? Turns out that me watching absolute garbage finally pays off, guys. Okay. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up, also for the Things You Missed episode that I got really into this year, happens to be the Selling Sunset franchise, which is mm-hmm. a reality show that takes place in LA in which a bunch of realtors sell incredibly expensive houses. And I really enjoy knowing things that I will never be able to afford because I've chosen to go into academia. And so I like looking at the inside of all the houses that I drive by on the way to campus. But the show itself is much more about the relationship drama of the realtors and the sort of like main character realtor of the show. Her name is Michelle Strauss and that's Justin Hartley's ex-wife. And Mm -hmm. They go through a pretty messy public divorce during the reality series in which he tells her that he wants to get divorced via text message 45 minutes before it drops on TMZ in front of everyone. And it turns out that he was actually having a pretty long emotional affair with one of her co-stars. And so the whole thing, especially for Selling Sunset fans, are really not fans of This Is Us or Justin Hartley. So, and this is pretty big drama. Also, Selling Sunset is a Netflix show. So so this is already something that everyone would have a lot of, you're a big Netflix watcher, might have familiarity with. But he hasn't really done a lot outside of This Is Us and a lot of- That's, right? that's why no he no that's not true that he's he is a big actor that's why i'm surprised so oh. he's, 
Yeah. So he's so you know him from that's I mean, this is like a split universe kind of thing, right, where you know him entirely from from the other side of the story. Yeah. Right. Okay. Justin Hartley spent like four or five years on this daytime soap opera called Passions. He left Passions to become Aquaman in the one episode pilot for Aquaman that didn't air because it was supposed to be a spinoff of, of Smallville and it didn't happen. So once that didn't happen, he became Oliver Queen on Smallville for five seasons. So he did, so he was like second lead on Smallville on the Superman story show for, from like 2006 oh. to 2011. Then he's done... I mean, he's done a bunch of television. He's done like an episode of Chuck. He's done CSI. He's he was on Castle. He was on a Jane the Virgin. And he is and he did This Is Us basically for the last five years. He was, you know, he was on that for forever. And he was on Young and the Restless for a while. He's he's a big television actor. He's he's the sometimes voice of Superman in some of the Justice League cartoons. Like I know him from like literally everything else that's why i was like oh wow so justin hartley yeah his, so he's so actually, funny that to, for yeah, me huge yeah. i'm like oh that guy like the reference point is because Rochelle used to also be on young and the restless which was how they met but also as someone who's just so familiar with the current cw like i can't think of oliver queen as anyone other than steven Amel. Yeah. that the, there is this entire very long precedent of there being a cw verse prior to arrow mm-hmm. yes so yeah also, i know Justin so, Hartley so the, from just well, I guess all the, these other shows but. So the big question i guess is did justin hartley make you cry map in the noel in, diary uh, well did see it's hard i did get teary-eyed in, in noel diary i don't know if it's his storyline okay should i give you the basic plot okay the plot of the Noel Diary, and I guess it's based on, I think it's based on a book. Yeah, um, it's based on the Noel Diary, funnily enough. Okay. So the basic plot of the film is there's a guy, Jake, he's played by Justin Hartley. He's a big name author. He's like writing like a, he's writing this romance series and he's three or four books in and he's, you know, so he's got a, he's got a really good career of being this New York Times bestselling author. And he comes home from a book signing and he's just he's checking his mail, you know, hanging out with his dog. And he finds and he gets a phone call from his mother's lawyer. He's been trying to reach you. And he's, oh, what happened? And he's, oh, you don't know. Your mom died last week and we couldn't get it. We couldn't get in touch with you even for the funeral. Like we've been looking and because he was just traveling his mom he and his mom were estranged but they had a rocky he said we had a rocky relationship i'm so sorry i can't believe my mom's dead and it's well you know he she left you everything and he's oh he's well i need you to come here and you know just deal with the will and everything so he goes back home to his mom's house and while he's going through her stuff this woman comes to the door and the woman says i think my mom lived here and he's no, this is my mom's house and has been for many years. And the woman says, well, so I don't know what my mom's name was, but I was given up for adoption as a baby. And the adoption agency, like she wasn't able to get the uh, the mother's name, but she was able to get an address and she's done some snooping. And she figures that my mother as a teenager was a nanny employed in this home. And he's I, you know, well, I was a baby here, so I don't remember. But maybe my next door neighbor. Anyway, they do some snooping and they figure out that she that this woman's mother was his nanny 
he has no recollection of it because he was three or four when she left, but she was a pregnant 17 year old who's from a religious family and her family had kicked her out. So she was living, you know, with this other family while she was waiting to give birth. And they're like, but we don't know anything else. So they find diary of the woman's name is Noel. So they find Noel's diary and the mother's next door neighbor says, well, why don't you go talk to your dad? So Justin Hartley's character also doesn't speak to his father because they had some kind of uh, this kind of falling out. But because he likes this woman, this stranger so much, he's okay. The only person I know who would even know anything about your mom is my dad. So why don't we go on a road trip to. So I'll reconnect with my dad and my dad can tell you whatever he remembers about your mom. And that's it's basically him having one parent left and he doesn't want anything to do with him. And on her just trying to reconnect with this mom that she's never known. And they go on this trip together. And, you know, and of course, also they fall in love because it's a rom-com. And that, but that's sort of almost. I'm sorry, Mav. Nothing you have said up until this point in time. You're giving this whole description. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, this sounds like an incredibly heavy, sad, it is. dramatic, it is. not it's, a rom-com, so, not like, a Christmas also, yeah, movie. Also- Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it sounds is like drama. Legit, it, it is legit. It's, and it's one of it's it's only it's only got a 67 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. But like I look and right now it is it's the second highest thing on Netflix. Most watch list after, you know, a Wednesday, the Wednesday show, which is like just blowing up the charts right now. But it, it is a legit serious drama that about adoption and family and, you know, and trauma between, you know, what makes a marriage fall apart? What, you know, what's it mean to grow up with adopted families? And there's also a love story because no, there's no, two. No, what I want is a. Leads. It's incidental. It's, don't worry about it. It's incidental. Like, I, I mean, I will ruin it for you and say, yes, they're trying to, you know, yes, they end up together at the end. You don't care. It so doesn't matter to the rest of the movie. What the movie is about is like her trying to find this mother. And him trying to con- him trying to decide whether or not it's worth it to connect with dad. It is I'm, so I'm good. Sorry, but that is not a Christmas movie. A Christmas movie has a gingerbread house baking competition in which you know that the main character wins. There's I don't Christmas want. Stuff too. I don't want <laughs> bad Christmas movies about adoption. It's so good for it's the so rest good. of the year. Okay, can we talk about the sad? The sad, actually, there is some sad Christmas movies. Did anyone else watch a Christmas story Christmas? I did. No. <laughs> I did watch a Christmas story Christmas. So, a Christmas story Christmas is on HBO Max, and it is a sequel to a Christmas story, but not like a Christmas story 2, which is a different sequel to a Christmas story, but it has a different cast. A Christmas right. story Christmas brings back the majority of the original cast from a Christmas well. story. It brings up the majority, the majority, the majority of the cast from a Christmas. So what people don't know, and just so I don't know if you know this, a Christmas story is the third film in the Christmas story franchise. A Christmas story two is like the seventh film in the Christmas story franchise. And a Christmas story Christmas, which we just watched is the eighth film in the Christmas story franchise. There are eight films in this franchise. Most people only know about a Christmas story, which is the third film. So yes, it brings back most of the cast from the third film. What are the other films? The Phantom of the Open Hearth, The Great American Fourth of July, and Other Disasters, then A Christmas Story, then The Star Cross Romance of Josephine Kosanowski, 
then Ali Hop, Hop Noodles Haven of Bliss, and then It Runs in the Family, My Summer Story, and then A Christmas Story 2, and then A Christmas Story Christmas. The majority of these are based on In God We Trust, All, all Others Pay Cat. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say A Christmas mm-hmm. Story 2 is based on that. I no, well, because he died. They, no, no, by Christmas Story 2, I mean the movie that 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 was made in 2012 and focuses on for a car and also a christmas story christmas which is the the guy who yes gene shepherd who is the narrator in all of the films up except for this one and a christmas story too gene shepherd the narrator of a christmas story is an actual author who wrote all the books all the short stories that all these films are based on. So he's the narrator in a Christmas story and he wrote all of these stories. So he, and then he turned them all into movies and then he died. And then they made a Christmas story too. Mav, I so. feel like you're telling me that Santa isn't real. I telling me that no, a Christmas she's, story she's is the real. third movie in the franchise. This is stuff for you to go watch. She's more real. <laughs> go ahead. So, so, so a Christmas story, Christmas revisits mm-hmm. a Christmas story. And by when I say they bring back the majority of the cast, I mean, mostly I'm talking about the kids who are now adults. The uh, character who played Mrs. Parker, actress who played Mrs. Parker, has been replaced because Linda Dillon retired from acting. And also Mm -hmm. the film centers around the death of Mr. Parker, the old man, like the old man, like the premise of the film is that. Ralphie as an adult is trying to write a novel by the end of the year and become like a novelist because he's taken a year off work and his family's kind of like at the end of their rope, allowing him to do this. He's writing sci-fi novels. See, Katya, you should have watched. And then he gets a call from his mother that his father has passed away right before Christmas. And she asks him to you know, let's not like be sad. Your father wouldn't want this. Let's like have a really good Christmas with the kids so ralphie is trying to make christmas perfect because he's trying to capture and live up to the memory of his father Mm -hmm. and boy did i cry i know you're all shocked (laughs) that i cried at a christmas film but i really enjoyed it i was like kind of like concerned because a christmas story too which i did get for dvd one christmas Oh, is, oh, it's so, so bad. bad. Also, I want to be clear that my family watched it sober. So <laughs> without a crutch that we got through it together. But I think that A Christmas Story Christmas, yeah, it it like definitely is a nostalgia trip. But it really does its best to like honor like the spirit of the film. And it adds in some really funny things like Ralphie's family's like reaction to carolers, which reminded <laughs> me so much of my parents' reaction to trick-or-treaters. Because we didn't give out candy on Halloween and didn't celebrate Halloween growing up. So we'd turn out all the lights and pretend we weren't there when people would come to our door. And it just, you know, it rem- like this was a movie that reminded me about like Christmas with my family. And also like I'm now an adult as much as I hate to admit that sometimes, especially mm-hmm. around the holidays. And it's, well, you know, what, is, what does Christmas mean? When you're an adult, does the magic still work? What does it mean when your family changes? Doesn't, I really liked it. Doesn't okay. Christmas Vacation okay. also address all of those things without making me cry? Christmas Vacation National Lampoon yes. movie? Which is I, my I, favorite I, Christmas movie. That is the movie that I watch every single year, like when I put the tree up. That is why? my tradition. 
Um, well, okay, I'm just curious because so this is a very popular movie that lots of people love. I've never been able to connect with it. I've watched it. I mean, I don't hate it or anything like that. It's certainly better than The Christmas Story too. I don't. Everything's care for that better film. than A Christmas Story too. Yeah. Like literally, right, saying. I don't hate it. It's it's fine. But I like the first two National Lampoon movies a lot, and everyone loves Christmas Vacation, and I've never loved it. I've always been like, eh. So I'm curious why Monica do you like it so much? So the theme of a Christmas vacation is that he is trying to create the perfect Christmas for his family, right? So it's the same theme as a Christmas story Christmas. And it's Mm -hmm. all of the ways in which it goes wrong because there's no such thing as perfection, which one I think is really important to think about when it comes to the holidays because we put so much pressure on things to be right when it comes to the right present because then that shows how much you know somebody or how much you love somebody or making the right food and things being it which then puts you know potentially like financial strain or stress or this need to put on like the best impression for absolutely everyone even if you're sitting around people that like you don't like or who don't like you and (laughs) I think that there's something like actually really wonderful about the ways that Christmas vacation is poking holes in our need for perfection. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I relate to any of the characters in Christmas vacation. In fact, the reason that I love that movie is because everyone is so unlikable that you find ways to make fun of everyone. And I genuinely just find it to be a really funny movie. But for me, like that feels like this message of let's not take things quite so seriously and let's just enjoy the joy of the holiday that I think is a really good universal message for people to have as a takeaway. But I also think maybe it's just, it's always sort of been my type of humor is this very like national lampoon humor. And I think it also brings this appreciation of anytime something goes wrong on your Christmas, joke is sort of always well it's not as bad as the things that happen on christmas vacation right because everything Mm -hmm. that happens within christmas vacation is meant to be some version of a worst case scenario like a cat explodes right like at least your cat didn't (laughs) explode at least your cousins don't live in a trailer and empty their sewer into the street right Mm -hmm. at least you are not fighting with everyone in your family at least you're not sleeping in a bread with your brother at least whatever because so many things go wrong within christmas vacation i guess that's for me why it's this like perfect movie that i don't need to cry in order to get all my warm christmas fuzzies about something that's so incredibly dysfunctional i don't know what that says about me on a psychological level haven't gotten that far yet with my therapist but i love (laughs) christmas vacation okay Fair enough. I think I like Christmas Story Christmas better, but to be fair, I've seen Christmas Vacation half a dozen, maybe a dozen times. I've seen Christmas Story Christmas once. So, Anna? Do you really want to cry every year, or do you really want to yes. laugh every like year? Well, I, both. Maybe it's because yeah. I have terrible seasonal depression that I'm like, yeah. I don't want to put on a movie that's going to make that worse. I mean, like, that I I want to put on a movie where I laugh every year. I cry. I mean, I cry and I laugh 
very hard at a Muppet Christmas Carol. Like whenever yeah, Robin starts singing them. "Bless Us All," I mean, like, how can you not cry? And I mean, I am the you're Mav, and I'm Hannah, and none of none. I want to be clear that neither of those things is good or bad. It's just, it's the way we react <laughs> in the world. But like, I, you know, I watch a, It's a Wonderful Life every year. And I mean, like all the tears. And like, sometimes it's like happy. Like I always cry at the end of It's a Wonderful Life whenever I read about, you know, No Man's a Failure as Friends and like seeing the town rally around him. It's just so wonderful. But like, I, I think it's okay to, and I think it's, I what I, you know, like the things like everyone acts like Christmas is supposed to be a great and happy time. But there are a lot of bad things and things that go wrong at Christmas. And sometimes like you are grieving during Christmas because you've lost someone or sometimes, you know, there's a I mean, for like the past like three Christmases, there's been a global pandemic and there are things you have to navigate or, you know, like people struggle with things like layoffs, like unfortunately during the holidays so i appreciate that there are like films that like don't hand wave away the harder parts of life and they try and capture like hardship and joy together and, and I, yeah sometimes i just want to watch the night before christmas and laugh at a night going around in modern yeah. day like new england but i do I want you, you to watch noel diaries i want you to watch noel diary because i think you'll really enjoy it. and again there are yes you are there will be parts that you cry at there are a couple of things in particular one scene that's why I said, when you said did justin hartley make me cry not necessarily though he's there's one scene in particular that i think is just very heart tuggy but there are a few, there are a few scenes so I, I would really i think you would enjoy it monica apparently oh, is just old and dead inside but I mean, what i really so, so like not in, old in, and dead inside i just want watch not, yeah. cousin eddie go the shitter is full guys that's my that's good old-fashioned family christmas Gotcha. Like I, so I want I want to in the spirit of talking about like movies not shying away from things. I really want to talk about Spirited before because I actually think that Spirited might be like sort of the big streaming like new Christmas movie because it's a musical with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Yes, that's like adaptation of a Christmas Carol, and I'm and obsessed like it. with it. I did not like okay. it, but I'm obsessed with it. I loved it. Politics are weird. I think yes. that it could have been good but it actually turned out to be more victorian than a christmas carol and not in a good way okay uh, monica are you familiar with this film i have I not seen it. this one but i am so incredibly intrigued as to the decision to bring will ferrell back into a christmas universe as someone for a lot of people elf is sort of is their christmas vacation right elf is their ultimate Christmas film, movie that they return to every year. So and the film does I, I also that. just say I really hate Elf actually as an adult because really? it yeah, because it's like he's a man child who Oh sure. Like I don't think well, I would just, hate yeah. it except he's, that he's like the Will he, Ferrell yeah. character. Yeah. I don't think I would hate <laughs> it except that he ends up with Zoe Deschanel and like never grows up and it's just painful for me. Yes. He's oh, the character that was in all those movies. Yes, oh, he's, he's but I the, guess Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> I'm also realizing, is also being reintroduced into the Christmas universe because Just Friends is a Christmas movie and is one of the yes. best Christmas movies. I like Just Friends. I like Just Friends a lot. Just Friends is a delightful Christmas movie. Mm -hmm. Well, so 
so spirited is a little different. I gave a so spirited. Hannah, you want to take this one? So basically, sort of. And so actually, Will Ferrell doesn't play like the goofiest man child. Actually, he's doing something different. So basically, it's hey, what if like the Jacob Marley and the ghosts of past Christmas and present didn't just make an exception for Scrooge? They just were working every year to redeem someone for Christmas, and also. What if they only redeemed people they thought that they could redeem? What if they like decided to try and redeem someone who is quote unredeemable, which is Ryan Rill's character, who is like PR guy who specializes in disinformation and Will Ferrell, who plays the ghost of Christmas present. Present. is Yes. Christmas present is like, I was once unredeemable. I want to redeem this guy because I feel if I redeemed him and I turned him around for good, he could cause so many ripples of goodness throughout the world. He would make the world a better place. So Mm -hmm. this movie chronicles the ghost of Christmas past journey to try and redeem this. Sorry, ghost of Christmas present. Yeah. This focuses on the ghost of Christmas present as he attempts to redeem this guy's like like this PR nightmare man and the PR nightmare man's like resistance towards redemption. And then there are mm-hmm. a couple twists and turns, but so it's a, it's like a, so it starts off like actually like not pulling too many punches, like politically, like. Yes, you left that one important part just to get Monica though. Also it's a musical inexplicably. Oh, yes, it it's, a mus- it's a musical. <laughs> Nothing about that made me think Fox News, but with jazz hands. But, you know, okay. No, yeah, it isn't. Yeah, the description just sounds like a Christmas story. Oh, this is also a world where even though even though it's based on a Christmas carol, as in, you know, Jacob Marley is in charge of these ghosts and there's Christmas. Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol also exists in this universe. So what ends up happening is when Jacob Marley comes to meet Ryan Reynolds character, he's like, I'm Jacob Marley and you're going to be, and you're going to be visited by three ghosts. And Ryan Reynolds is three ghosts. You mean like in a Christmas Carol? What do you mean? Yeah. You know, past, present, future. You're going to try and make me a better person. Like maybe there's a, you know, Christmas Carol. He's scrooged with Bill Murray, like that whole thing. And so he is a, he is aware of the history of a Christmas Carol, except for it's apparently not a myth. It really happened. So that that is the premise of this film. (laughs) To set up this discussion, I think it's important to note that the 1843 Charles Dickens original, A Christmas Carol is extremely political. Like Mm -hmm. Dickens is taking a stance about the, you know, against workhouses, against, you know, like capitalist greed that's excessive. Like we we did a whole episode on it. You can listen to that. I'll spare you. But it's important to know that Dickens is being very and purposefully political. And he does not shy away from, you know, tackling things like children needing health care or they'll die. Episode 141, by the way. Yeah. So I say this because I think, like, it's important to say that, like, when this movie starts talking about politics, that's in the spirit of A Christmas Carol. And some of those politics are things like Ryan Reynolds' character talks about how he's, like, your introduction to his character is, he's talking to a senator on the phone and he's like, you've just, you know, screwed over the teachers union, but, you know, 
tweet this like outrageous thing and people forget about what you've done. And there's a whole song that honestly just kind of skewers like Fox News and like Mm -hmm. the attack on Christmas and like a quote unquote culture wars (laughs) at the very beginning. And like some I, I pulled up the lyrics, so I will find them and I will read them aloud to you. Not at hey. all. Not I will not <laughs> sing them because I am so, not inverse. I, I just I can't sing. <laughs> Maybe pass it, right? Like in a sing songy rhymey calming voice, but we can auto tune right, later. We're... <laughs> oh, God. we're bringing back Christmas and all the joy that we've lost. Give me some peace on earth, a virgin birth, and grandpa getting sauced. Every Facebook loving boomer wants to fight a culture war. So tell your poor consumer what the hell they're fighting for. A fight for morality, we're bringing back Christmas, and it's not coming back with some manufactured treat. It's a song about helping the people who grow live trees sell more trees than like fake trees. So so there there are like politics, but after a while it it shies away from like the consequences of Ryan Reynolds being this like gross like PR guy who's like helping like corporations and like politicians get ahead with disinformation. It shies away it literally shies away from talking about the pandemic because they're like a pandemic and they're like, Nope, nope, moving on. We don't want to do this. It does there's a point in this film, and I, I'm just gonna say this as a content warning. You can skip it if you don't want a spoiler. There's a point where a child commits suicide yes. in the film. And then they just like hand weave it away and move on and make a joke like 10 seconds later. So my problem with this film is that it starts off like political, no holds barred. And then the further it goes along, it it gets into the happy, like ridiculous cheeriness. There's like a song called Good Afternoon where like they pretend <laughs> Good Afternoon was. I mean, it was cute, but like they. But also they pretend so they pretend good afternoon was like the F word in the Victorian era. And it's not. It's like a reference to like a Christmas carol and Scrooge saying good afternoon to wave people away, just to be clear. But like they they paid they they focus more on these like cutesy moments or these like in jokes and also inexplicably a importantly, in fact, also a heteronormative romance between the ghost of Christmas present and Octavia Spencer, who uh, plays Ryan oh, Reynolds' oh. assistant. Oh, I thought you were, I, that's not the one I thought you were going with. Yes, I thought, because no. you said that, I thought you were going to talk about, uh, there are a couple of relationships between the spirits and, because, y- yes, there's that one, yeah. but also the Ghost of yeah. Christmas Past and Ryan Reynolds have a relationship. Yes, that is also true. So, like, they, they set up these, like, heteronormative romances. They, like, they focus on more on the silliness and the goofiness. And I'm not saying that Christmas movies shouldn't have joy, because I just went on about that. But I'm saying if there was ever a movie to tackle and explicitly tackle the politics of our current world. And yes, I am saying, including the pandemic, because it's not over and we should care. I mean, the whole like thing we should have learned from the pandemic is we should care about other people. And yeah, sometimes that includes like wearing a mask and so on and, you know, not going to something if you're like sick. But, in it, you know, but they ignore that and like they turn it into like more of a goofy thing, like, there, there's a lot of stuff wrong in our world and there was a lot of stuff wrong in Dickens's world. And the reason why A Christmas Carol and A Muppet Christmas Carol and It's a Wonderful Life are such good, strong classics that say something is because they follow like some sort of political message. 
the whole way down and they like stick to their guns and they don't forget about the things they've set up. And I'm not saying that like Mm. they had to do everything all at once in this film, but they don't do any of it instead. And why I say it's a more Victorian film than a Christmas Carol is the end of a Christmas Carol is Scrooge becoming an uncle to everyone. Like he's getting a bunch of like nephews and nieces, right? Like he becomes a second father to tiny Tim. He like, he doesn't need a heteronormative family. He's like helping other people and learning how to be in a community of care and not being like, you know, the Elon Musk of his time. What happens <laughs> in Spirited is Ryan Reynolds gets put into a relationship with the ghost of Christmas past. The ghost of Christmas present gets put into a relationship with Mia Spencer. They literally have the suburban house. It's a freaking marriage plot. So yeah. the society, like societal ills are smoothed over by the turn towards the marriage plot. All the mm-hmm. politics get kind <laughs> of wiped out. And yeah, like some of it's kind of fun. I'm not saying like it's useless. I'm saying it could have been better. And it, the politics of it are weird. And that's why I'm obsessed with it because it de radicalized a very radical Victorian novel in its own way. And it used the Victorian trick of the mm-hmm. marriage plot. Okay, I'm done. The problem is that nobody knows it's a radical mo- novel except for you and other, you know, like weenies. Like, I, you know, think, I don't think that's true. I think that like, if you read it, you, yeah, like, no, I, I no, think that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I understand your point, but no, and, like, and I, I read like, it in middle school. Like, it's nerd. a pretty popular thing. No, like, I it was assigned to me. The, oh, really? I think most yeah, people watch the Muppets. And, I had okay, to read it. Okay, I think most people watch the Muppets and then don't think very critically I mean, about the it. Mu- the, I mean, the Muppets like make it very clear. Like they keep yeah. Dickens's text about let the surplus population die. Like mm-hmm. this child is going to die. It's a wonderful life. Yep. Frank Capra doesn't have a PhD. He was inspired by Dickens and had a radical political message. I think that I mean, I think the average person like recognizes stuff, which is why like. Sometimes some of them get very angry. And in fact, like something like Spirited might seem to studio executives more palatable because it backs away from the politics after a while. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I mean, like, I don't honestly, I don't think you have to be a genius to figure out like what Dickens oh, is no, saying because so. it's right on the page. Like, I, I think like or in, you know, better adaptations. I mean, like even the Jim Carrey version, which I don't like, like keeps the like hell like dickens is hell where he like you know the spirits of people who've been selfish in life watch human suffering and they like can't do anything about it which sounds like a fate worse than death to which i you know i think i said in that christmas carol episode but you know you they could have done something like really interesting with this concept and i feel like they squandered a lot of its potential even if it like does have some fun numbers Mm -hmm. and like the occasional like smart thing. Also, I really do think that like they needed a content warning for that child suicide because it was real something. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, I liked it. I hear the things that you're saying. I think I'm a little easier. On it. I mean, it's not my time period, so I'm a little easier on it. I think you're not wrong, but I also think that it does try to it tries to particularly at the end be very smart about being 
less Christianity focused towards its Christmas. It tries to, you know, they make a very important note that at the end that we're expanding. We're not just bringing the Christmas spirit. We're doing Hanukkah now too. We're doing, you know, Ramadan. We're doing, you know, we're doing this all year round for everything. You know, he, he, we're trying to redeem all people, not just doing one a year. I think it's trying to be subversive. I do not think this is the kind of film which is going to have the staying power of, you know, Dickens novel or the Muppets or it's a wonderful life. I don't think that's going to happen, but I liked it. I did enjoy myself. Yeah. I'll just end with saying, I, I see what you're saying. I think that like the way they do that, like expansion though, is like so quick. It's sort of like a nod towards inclusiveness yeah. without any like real meaningful. It doesn't do the work. It does not yeah. do the work. You are correct. Uh, and I, so, I mean, I'm not saying it's real bad. I'm just, I'm being, yes, I am being harsh on it because I studied the Victorian period. Yes, I have been obsessed with Dickens for longer than that. But I, the reason why Dickens in particular, I think, is important is because of the meaningfulness. It's not a it's not like disposable politically and also. Not it doesn't have it's like one of the most famous, if not the most famous Christmas narrative. And A Christmas Carol doesn't end with all these relationships, which like for the most part, what we've talked about is films that are like man, woman in particular this year, because I didn't think uh, see any like big queer film for Christmas this year, you know, something like Single All the Way like last year. But man, woman, they find each other. The Christmas spirit which is what we you know talked about for years. Every time we do one of these shows, we're like, so... So what kind of politics are there when the majority of these films are about romance and a particular kind of romance and like small town values, although they've like Netflix has kind of moved away from that. I mean, so this does lead me to want to ask is Mav, you did say, oh, this movie isn't going to have the staying power. When I sat and watched Elf in theaters, I didn't expect that to come with any sort of staying power either. I thought it was just another... Will Ferrell movie in the era mm -hmm. of Will Ferrell movies. So what do we feel like actually is the special sauce that I, turns something I, into a yearly rewatch versus now I feel like with Netflix, these movies that they're creating aren't really made as yearly rewatches because no, they're you're expecting totally to watch short, something most. that adds to the cinematic mm -hmm. universe, right? Right. So they're not, they don't exist with the intention of becoming some version of the holiday or love actually, or any of the other Christmas movies that has well, found I, their I, way I, into our yearly rewatches. I think that's not quite true though. Right. Cause I think, I think elf got there, right. Elf definitely became a Christmas classic and whether you like it or not is up in the air, but it is certainly in that canon of films that, Certainly lots of people do rewatch, right? I think something like Holiday wants to, did it get there? I don't know. Or what was the one, Holiday, or what was the one, the Kristen Stewart one? Happiest Season. Happiest Season. I think that wants to be, like, I think there are things that are trying to not necessarily be part of, of a, you know, uh, Holiday wants to be like Love Actually, right? It wants to be this thing that people just return to. I don't think it is there. I don't think they made it, but I think that's what it's, I think that's what it's aspiring to. And I think, I think that's what I think spirited maybe wants to be. It's not going to get there. Cause it just, it, it's not that charming. It was fine. I think if, if people see Noel diary, I think it actually has a shot like that. It is a really charming movie. 
it's sad, but it's charming. I don't know. I just, I think you have to have the right things to connect with the cultural moment. And part of that is having the right story and just being charming and having good actors and stuff. But another part of it, I think, is just, you know, being able to, you know, have something to say about the time that we live in. And I think one of the flaws of most of the films that we've talked about is that the time that we live in is, you know, no one wants to talk about COVID or recessions, but that's where we are, right? That's what people are concerned with. And no one's really doing that as their Christmas movie because they don't want this be the thing that they were they remember so i don't think it's i don't think it's just nailing us like the way that those things happen i do think one of the things that i think is happening that you know is part of the conversation right now and i want to make sure that i watched one of these and i and we talked about this off the off air i want to make sure i watch something from gac and we should talk about the controversy of where gac is right now and GAC is the Great American Channel, Great American Community. And so this is the GAC Family Channel has hired. They've hired Candace Cameron Bure as their as their creative director. And she is starring in a multitude of GAC films. They are trying to be the next Hallmark Channel, the next Lifetime Channel. They have also hired my, my girlfriend, Danica McKellar. Things are not going well. There was a little bit of a controversy. Have you guys seen the controversy? that Candace Cameron started. No, um, but we know I love messy things. So tell me okay. all about so, it, Mav. Okay. So Candace Cameron had long been employed by the Hallmark channel. And I mean, for quite some time, I think like a decade plus. And Danica McKellar had also been working there. And uh, Hallmark channel, she'd made a whole bunch of movies especially christmas movies we've talked about that's why we started doing these cheesy christmas movie episodes is be is in large part because of the efforts of the hallmark channel and she's been hired away by another network where she is not only serving as an actress she is serving as their creative director and in a, in her capacity as creative director she made a statement to the effect of what we're going to do is we are going to focus our efforts on films that highlight the value of traditional marriage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, that was a thing she said. And it went over in the press as well as one would expect it to go over. She was immediately attacked by Jojo Siwa, who she's had issues with before in the press because Candace is like, oh, but I like Jojo. She's great. And Jojo keeps saying, I don't like her. She's mean to me because she doesn't like gay people. And Candace is, oh, no, I'd like you fine. And she stopped. It's literally like Jojo always feels as though Candace is mean towards her. And Candace's way of being nice to her is in a way that like sort of does not understand the issue as to why Jojo Siwa doesn't like her so it keeps coming up well jojo siwa was critical of her first and then jody sweden who played stephanie candace cameron's little sister on the full house shows she tweeted or instagrammed in response supporting jojo siwa and then a bunch of Alyssa milano supported jojo like basically all of you know this sect of hollywood is mostly you know against candace cameron danica mckellar has because of the efforts of Candace Cameron has recently become a recently devout born again Christian by where she's very into it as of like literally six months ago. So she also left Hallmark to go with Candace to this network and they filmed a couple movies and her co-star 
in the film that I watched for today. I watched Christmas at the drive-in. Well, her co-star very vocally quit GAC. Said, I'm leaving my contract. I am not making any more films for this. The LGBTQ community is very important to me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So he's going back to Hallmark or trying to. And Danica went into sort of damage control mode where she's, I don't agree with what people are. Cause I love everybody. I think, I think that God has enough room for everybody, whether you're gay or straight or anything else. And we, and this is what God is all about. And even though I'm a new Christian, I know that, but I also don't think that's what Candace was trying to say. That's absolutely what Candace was trying to say. <laughs> it's absolutely what Candace was trying to say. So that's where the behind the scenes thing was. And then I was like, but I've got to, I've got to watch one of these movies. I've got to at least watch at least one. And I was actually intending to watch one of the Candace Cameron ones because she's the big name, but there was no way for me to do that for free. And I'm like, I am not paying money to these people. So I will watch the, I will watch the Danica McKellar film, which was called Christmas at the drive-in. And as I said earlier in the episode, everybody thinks that, oh, these movies, they're all the same. They don't have any plot. There's literally nothing. And like, they're indistinguishable from each other. Oh no, that's not true. Because this was unwatchable. It is so bad. It is bland. And not just, not because it's, not because it's straight. Like I, that's fine. I've watched plenty of straight movies. It's just soulless. It's like, literally they don't, Hannah, you're always, you're very much a, you know, you don't like movies that get too dark. Sometimes you're like, oh, why does somebody always have to die? Why do you, you know, like, why can't we have cozy movies? This wants to be cozy, but cozy doesn't mean no conflict like you need to have plot in order to have a movie you need to have something happen and this has the premise of this is it, much of these movies which have you know the hometown person and the sit the big city person but they fall in love over trying to save the whatever this is that they're trying to save the drive-in right there's this big this big real estate developer dude and his dad dies and leaves him his family drive-in. So he goes back to the hometown and it's, but the drive-in is going to be foreclosed on. So the local lawyer lady played by Danica McKellar is trying to save the drive-in. Oh, she was his high school girlfriend and he was going to, he was going to just sell the drive-in so it could be torn down to some big real estate place. And then he immediately changes his mind because love. So there's no drama there. Not really. Um, They go on a bunch of dates. They try to raise money. And then the real estate developer people, the evil corporation, it, like is going to try and take the land. But then they have a conversation and they're like, well, we're not evil. You know, find us a better place and, we'll, and we can give you. The-. There's literally every time conflict starts, convenience just makes the conflict go away because it's trying to be super Christian. So everybody is reasonable and it's bland. It's bad in every possible way. And it's an hour and 45 minutes long. It's excruciating <laughs> i was just like i mean i was just watching it today going when is this going to be over this is so horrible but i want to finish it because i do this podcast and i just want everybody to know that i watch this movie so that none of you have to <laughs> it is so like that's the best christmas gift ever Mav. yeah it's awful so so maybe we should end on like a semi-positive note hopefully i pray to god that we have a hopeful Fun thing. So Disney Plus put out a Christmas special for all of us to enjoy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, 
I mean, I guess they put out multiple because I guess Tim Allen's back as the Santa Claus, but I don't want to talk about Tim Allen. So let's talk yeah. about James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. <laughs> Did you watch it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I, okay, it I'm going to ask... Did the youth know who Kevin Bacon is? Everything about this felt like it was made for, and no offense, Mav, but for Mav. No, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They, they were like, Kevin Bacon's okay. band really needs to promote their new album. And I'm like, is this right. the best that you could do with your Disney level no. budget? No, that's it's the point. so like, confusing. But see, that's Guardians, right? Because so uh, under the premise of Guardians, Chris, Pratt, I'm sorry, Star-Lord, Chris Pratt's character, but Star-Lord left Earth 25 years ago. He knows nothing. Like he's, he's so, yes, I get your point, but also he has named his ships throughout the course of the Guardians of the Galaxy series, the Milano and the Benatar. And now, you know, spoilers, now the Bowie is his new ship. Like he's named all of his ships after things that were big in the 80s, right? Like he's, he's, he's got the Milano, the Benatar. He has, a, he listens to Sony Walkmans. Oh, like, wait, wait. Uh, I just he realized he probably doesn't. Biggest. He never. He like saw Footloose, but he never saw Trimmers, right? Like, right. Trimmers didn't come right. out to nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah. He'd have no idea. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. he is right. very much he is very much caught in this world of like his he is emotion like his pop culture stopped thirty years ago. That's. But is Kevin Bacon <laughs> the biggest star of the nineteen eighties that we could possibly bring in as our guest star? Well, it's the one that he likes. He, like, yeah, but like Harrison Ford is on the Disney payroll. Oh, but Harrison Ford, yeah, but Harrison Ford is an old man who did not star in Footloose. You, I mean, I can't, I cannot overestimate how big Footloose was. The only thing that could have made it better than getting like the star of Footloose would have been to get the star of Dirty Dancing, and he's dead. Like you couldn't get Patrick Swayze, right? So Footloose was a huge movie. So much so, like, for, for people of a certain age, remember, Kevin Bacon jokes, there were a lot of stars, I'm the only one with his own game, because the Kevin Bacon ga- game, the six degrees of seven of Kevin Bacon, is only a thing because he was that beloved and ridiculous. Like, he's, and he always sort of, he was always good-natured, like, he sort of, even as a kid, he was a fun interview because he was sort of in on the joke of how ridiculous it was that he was a star. I think Kevin Bacon was great in this, but it's who's it aimed at? It's aimed at people. I think this film is aimed at people up in who the actually 80s. remember. Yeah. Well, and who actually remember watching the Star Wars Christmas special. I absolutely saw the Star Wars Christmas special on television in the 70s and remember it fondly. So so I think it is the fact that anybody likes this movie who's under the age of 40 astounds me. <laughs> I, I gotta admit I had a pretty good time also can I just say last time we talked I don't remember when we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 I talked about Yondu and how like I felt nothing died except that they played father and son and that was what made me cry not Yondu being dead because I didn't see a relationship between Peter and Yondu as like a thing mm-hmm. I felt mm-hmm. like the animated bits of this Christmas special made me mm-hmm. understand their relationship like slightly better and it like felt more something mm-hmm. than like in previous films so no one else cares about this because no, a lot of people do so um, so so what's interesting is i've seen people going the other way so there were a lot of people who complained 
that they didn't like the Yandu scenes in this because they felt it undermined the realization that so in in Guardians 2, there's the moment where where Yandu says that guy might be your father, but I'm your daddy, you know, which was which is to me the touching moment of Guardians 2. Right. And this one tried to show, well, no, but they already had this relationship when he gave him the guns and they and the Christmas special and everything and everything. And I my answer to that is the people who because there were, and there were a lot of people who were like, well, you know, how did he have this growth twice? And to me, it's because families are complicated and people particularly have you know with their parents or surrogate parents you know like people have complicated relationships with their fathers right so maybe he had a yandu absolutely would have been the kind of father who you know had these moments of caring but was a hard ass the other 364 days a year like the father in a christmas at least that's how i view him so i liked it a lot and i love the yandu Again, like every Guardians thing, the music is like what always gets me. And I really enjoyed like the music that was featured. And that they wrote an original Christmas song. Yes. (laughs) And that was so amusing. Did you um, recognize the band that does the Christmas song at the beginning where they uh, it opened the, that band? Have you ever seen the SNL skit where I don't care what your sister says Christmas time is here? That song from it's got Chris Kattan and Tracy Morgan. Is this like a thing I would have had to have seen if I was born in the 80s? Beth? No, this would have been okay. a thing that you, you know, this would have been born in the 90s. But it's like if you've ever it's a, it plays on YouTube all the time. It's it's when Tracy Morgan and Chris Kattan and all those people were on. Were, Jimmy Fallon were on SNL. They did this bit every year where it's just the four of them in sweaters singing this really bad, ridiculous Christmas song. And they've redone the bit whenever any of them get to host during December since then. So there's like just copies of it on YouTube. It's gone viral several times. I'll send it to you guys. Well, anyway, the band that's actually playing that song and wrote that song is the band that actually sings in the James Gunn is a fan of that band. So that's Aww. the original band. That's in it. It's a it's a goofy it's an Easter it's a, egg. Like, they're not right. And it's an Easter egg that's weird because they're not famous enough for anybody to recognize it. You just have to know. That's great. But yeah, I love this movie. I thought I thought it worked because you know, you talked about the rom coms of it all. It's not a rom com. I liked seeing the relationship of Drax and Mantis just trying to save Christmas, even though they don't know what it is. I had some conversations with Marone Langsner, who's been on our show several times, and his friends were talking about, like, why does Christmas need to be saved? And they were, and I get the perspective. And they were like, why would this Christian holiday matter in space? And I, I don't think the Christian holiday matters in space. I think it matters to Peter Quill, and no one else understands it. They're just trying to make Peter Quill happy. And so when they're saving Christmas, they could just as easily be saving Halloween or Thanksgiving or the 4th of July. They don't know anything about the conceptually. They just know he's sad. Right. And I thought they did a good job of explaining the motivation of why Mantis in particular would care that mm-hmm. her like that Peter is sad. I her spoilers brother <laughs> Peter mm-hmm. is sad. And quite honestly, I don't know that this is something that I've confessed on the air before but monica hates talking animals like hate talking animals really? 
almost borderlining on like phobia of talking animals. <laughs> so she has a really hard time with rocket raccoon. Like really? Okay. An incredibly hard time. So the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, as much as I like them, they're really hard for me to get through because I can't do talking animals. And Groot is one step away from a talking animal. So, and that's, you know, coming from the fact that I made us do a Fast and the Furious, like Vin Diesel love fest of an episode. Mm -hmm. So that's really saying something, right? So for me to be able to have Guardians that is just Mantis and Drax, like doing Mantis and Drax things is almost best case scenario for me. I would have been just absolutely tickled if I got a little bit more Nebula because I do think that would have added Mm -hmm. in the extra layer of but it fits my I want to laugh and I want to see chaos and having Jackson Mantis learn about like Christmas lawn ornaments for the first time like (laughs) that's the level of like funny and endearing and ridiculous that I want out of a Christmas special so I thought it was incredibly successful and really funny and I thought they did a great job yeah, I think that like these like little holiday like short specials like Werewolf by Night and now the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special have been really nice for either introducing yeah. very minor characters or giving characters that have already been introduced in movies more screen time and getting to know them in a real way and not just like a oh you can put people to sleep and this is a plot point <laughs> that we need to focus on kind of so it it was nice it was fun it was and it also was like a very nice 45 minutes or so. It did not go over long. And what went like more... Christmas at the drive-in, Christmas at the drive-in has four minutes of plot and it is the last four minutes of the film. Like, they literally did what the entire we- story at the very end. I was like, oh, we're doing... Like, I mean, watching it, I was just like, oh, we're doing plot now. Oh, mm. wow, this is a lot. And I'll it's say this. <laughs> Spirited will not be like a classic Christmas movie because it is very long. Like, is very long and there's only room for one very long Christmas movie and that's It's a Wonderful Life. Well, that's not true. There, there's a couple of older movies that are also long. I'm over-exaggerating for effect and now I'm ruining it by explaining what I'm doing. <laughs> right. You, you, know, have, you, can, you have to squeeze it in for the intention span of, you know, the cliche of your grandfather who's going to fall asleep 15 minutes into the movie and the attention span of a five-year-old in which everyone sits down and watches a Christmas movie together, which means your lowest common denominator wants a tight 90 minutes out of it to turn this into a good <laughs> Christmas movie. Or you just do something like a Christmas story, which it doesn't matter how long it is because we're just going to run it on repeat for 24 consecutive hours. And yeah, it'll be fine. You catch what you catch. I mean, that's what the point of a Christmas story, 24-hour marathons on yeah. TBS. Do they still do those? Right. Is TBS still in the morning? They could be doing eight fucking movies, and they're only doing one. <laughs> oh, because yeah. Mab, how did you forget? I this is this, I just, you've changed everything that I know about Christmas by telling me that there's eight other go, Christmas stories. Are you going to go watch them all? <laughs> I think I'm going to watch every single one except for Christmas Story Two. That's the other thing I learned from this episode. <laughs> yeah, there's no point. It yeah. is so. Don't do it to yourself. So, it is so because the other ones don't want to necessarily. Christmas Story Two is trying to be a shameless, shamelessly recapture the joy of a Christmas story by using four impressions of all the actors from other. You know, it is nothing. It, there, there's just no. No good reason to put yourself through that. Also, it 
shockingly, I'm sure, objectifies a woman and makes her a prize. She they makes it makes her the Christmas gift, but actually the Christmas gift is a car. And if my analysis is blurry on that, well, I watched it once. Dad, I appreciated the thought behind the gift. <laughs> if you listen to this episode, but we both know it was bad, Dad. We both know. <laughs> we've resolved nothing. <laughs> Thank you to Hannah's dad for listening to the show. Please leave us a five-star review. <laughs> you think Josh has a conflict of interest? Well, I don't. I mean, Josh is a lawyer. I don't know. Like, far be it from me to you know question Josh's understanding of the law. But I don't think that conflicts of interest like really apply to podcast reviews. I don't know that's a thing. <laughs> you know, but what? I don't know. Tell so I'll what you want for Christmas is a five-star review. Absolutely. And I do want to thank both of you for once again joining me on our very special episode that we do every year. And I just I wonder if anybody sticks with us. You know, if you have, thank you for listening to this. This has been great. I love I look forward to these every year. I like these Christmas movies. I am sad by the lack of Vanessa Hudgens this year, but you know. Christmas I mean, we, we did watch the Prince of Switch one and two this weekend. So Oh, you did? Okay, good. Well, we did. <laughs> And it was wonderful. So I had a lot to get through. So I hadn't, I hadn't rewatched. I had to watch Christmas at the drive-in. And yeah. now you know why I didn't fit in the Noel Diary because I rewatched Vanessa Hudgens. You'll like Noel Diary. So we might have to do a code okay. next week. You're going to be like, okay, I saw it, and you're, you're, I'm telling you, you're going to. It is so touching. Yeah, but I got some Andor to get through. Yeah, same. So that's what we're doing next week. <laughs> oh well, yeah. I guess yes. that now people know. Yes. So anyway. If you have thoughts on that or anything else, you know, certainly let us know in the comments on this episode or any other episode. I don't know. If, is there a call for comments up for Andor? I don't know. We've been like lackadaisical lately. You know, there's been a lot to get through this Christmas season. So we're all very busy. But thank you if you're listening to our Christmas episode. And in the meantime, Monica, where can people find you? You know, I'm going to use this opportunity, Mav, to say that people shouldn't find me this holiday season. The thing I want for Christmas is to not be on strike anymore. Because guess what? The UC system is still on strike. So if you would like to donate to our hardship fund because things are very scary this holiday season, I'm going to link that in the show notes. Awesome. And Hannah. So I'm going to be slightly depressing and just say (laughs) COVID numbers are rising across the U.S., but the United States government will restart the testing program and mail out tests. And you can find like test requests at covidtest.gov if you're in the U.S. You know, Christmas is a time of care. So there's really no better time for you to Find ways to care for each other by masking when you're in crowded places or if you're feeling sick, staying home. So and, you know, people are still struggling this holiday season. So looking to donate to your local food bank or your local abortion fund. Thing we can do to help each other is a way that we show hope and love. And, you know, wherever you find love, it feels like Christmas. Well. That was nice. It's the Muppets. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to let people just think think that you came up with that all by yourself. But, <laughs> but anyway, as always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, all the places, always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show 
all those same places at Fox Popcast. You can follow the show's blog at www.foxpopcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. But now you already know it's Andor and all of Star Wars and, you know, and I guess it's a Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah, but not. (laughs) Gosh, have you guys even seen the Star Wars Christmas special? It's worth it. It It's so worth it. I have. (laughs) Oh, great. Maybe we'll sneak some of that in with our talk about Andor. Anyway, you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com and you can leave us comments on this show or any other show. You can suggest topics for us to talk about. If you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do, then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from. And do us a favor, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, you don't have a conflict of interest, I guess. Or even if you do, that gooses the algorithms, <laughs> makes us more popular, really helps us out and makes Christmas miracles occur. You know, every time you leave a five star review, an angel gets its wings. That's a thing that happens. Ask Frank Capra. <laughs> I once again like to thank Hannah and Monica, as always, for being the co-host who care enough about Christmas and not having hearts of stone to watch like half a dozen or more cheesy Christmas movies. So thank you guys. You know what? You like- know what though, Matt? It's Christmas. So mm-hmm. wherever they are to Kadian Wayne, God bless us, <laughs> everyone. And Rasselberry dressing. <laughs> I wonder if anyone actually gets that without listening to our Christmas Carol episode. But anyway, I'd like to thank Maximilian of Thought Free Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. I really just got to get in every Christmas Carol reference I can. Every single one.